Daniel Jarrett, the boss man show. We're keeping up our new theme of the summer, having on all new coaches of college basketball teams. And we're going to talk to David McLaughlin of Dart, the Dartmouth Big Green up in New Hampshire. I'll tell Coach off the air how he, I couldn't live where he lives at because I can't drive in snow. As I told you on there many times, JR cannot drive in snow. So, but Coach, I know he can do it. So, Coach, I'm glad to have you on the show this morning. How's recruiting going for you on the road here? It's going great, JR. Thanks for having me on. And as we tell recruits, it's it's sunny every day in New Hampshire. There's no snow up there, so it's uh it's it's 75 and sunny every day up there. So we're we're good to go. I hear that, Coach. I hear that. Now, Coach, uh, what does it mean to you to get this program here at Dartmouth to put your stamp on this university and that community of of Hanover up there? What does this job mean to you, really, Coach? Well, I, I think first and foremost, it's when you, when you when you get a job and you get an opportunity, you want to be passionate about where where you're working and, and the place you're working. And so, I think for in terms of a fit for me and and for my family, it was a perfect fit. So, I think just that starting point is is terrific. Um, to deal one to have an Ivy League institution that you're working at is is phenomenal. Um, there's only eight of them in the country, and they're just seen as these not just nationally elite academic schools, but but you know worldwide. Um, reputation so i think that's fun to recruit that type of student athlete and i think secondly it's it's uh it's the right place for my family at this point in our life and, and to be involved in not just the dartmouth community but the the greater hanover community as well and coach you brought up a great point there how different is it to recruit an ivy league player i know the requirements are pretty much higher than most schools so does i know it kind of limits you who you can target but but how do you go about targeting guys you feel would be a great fit for the ivy league environment yeah i think i think the biggest difference is is a lot of um, non-basketball related research has to be done early um so you, you have to have a really good feel for uh, the academic piece, a uh, really good feel for uh, in the Ivy League. It's, it, there's non-scholarships. It's all need-based financial aid. So you have to have a feel for, you know, what individuals that might work for. And, and so it's not just, hey, here's a good player. I'm watching him on film. Terrific. Okay, now you got to check a lot of boxes before you can spend a lot of time on that individual. Now, Coach, now, I know a lot of schools have scholarships. They have like 13 scholarships, and they can have some walk-ons. So for you guys, so it's pretty much – you can have as many guys you want on your roster as long as you're at a limit because it's it's not scholarship based. Correct. There's no um you know there, there's no there's no limits that way in terms and you could have larger rosters. I think the balance and, and I think you bring up a really good point is if you want to have a big roster, how are you going to make yourself competitive in practice? And and if you want to have a big roster, how is everyone going to have a defined role? Um, and and I think that is a, that is a really interesting balance and i think it's a challenge that we're going to have moving forward if you have over 15 or 16 guys how do you make a competitive environment on a daily basis and and how do you keep everyone um happy and and that's always a it's always a a, a tricky balance for a coach and the coaching staff Yes, indeed. Folks, we're joined by Dolphins, Big Green Head Coach, David McLaughlin here on the Boss Man Show. Then, Coach, uh, how has the workouts been going for your guys, and how has it been for you, get your, get your new players in the team, kind of getting to know you and your staff and you knowing them? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. We, we got the job, and it was a little late, um, but the advantage was we were in class because of the way the, the academic system works, works at Dartmouth. We were in class through about June 8th, so we were able to spend some time uh, on the court with the guys, which which was nice because, you know, you can have conversations with guys and you can go out to lunch with them and you can meet with them in your office, but until you get a feel for them on the court, how they're going to respond to you, and until you can kind of see how, 
you know, that chemistry is going to be between you as a coach and a player, I think that really helps to form a true relationship with them because um, it goes beyond everything else. And we don't – Ivy League rules don't allow you to work guys out in the summer. Um, so we do have some guys on campus taking classes, but um, in terms of on the court, we can't do it. So it was a huge advantage um, for us to at least have a couple weeks with them, three or four weeks with them before they all uh, before we went on the road for the summer. Now, Coach, I want to love to ask you a question before I hear because I know there's a little difference between Ivy League and the rest of the NCAA schools that I kind of talk to. If you could, Coach, what are the big differences between the Ivy League rules and rules like the regular Power Five or Big Five conferences, some of the other mid-major conferences? What's the difference between you guys and them? You know, I think the, the one of the big rules just mentioned is, is working out in the summer. You know, I, I think that's that's a big. So we cannot, NCAA rules, uh, you can work guys out in the summer with with the two-hour rule, and, and we uh, we can't do that. Um and across the league um there's also just a couple other small restrictions on hours during the year so if, if you might have you know eight hours in, in the spring we might have six you know things like that so it's nothing drastic just a lot of little things and it, it's really just to put the to keep the distress and the emphasis not the stress excuse me the emphasis on on academics and, and especially in the off season most of the rules apply during off season time got you now coach when the people watch your team play this year and beyond, what are things you want people to take away from watching your team play every night? That's a great question. I, you know, I think when we want, in the way I always say, and I say to our staff and our guys, how do you want, how do we want to be defined? How do you want people to view us? And I think we want to be seen as a team that plays a lot of energy, uh, especially on the offensive end. I think we want to be seen as a team that plays with multiple efforts on the defensive end. And I tell guys, if we can have five guys on the floor, especially defensively, uh, playing with multiple efforts on consecutive multiple possessions, then that's a good defensive team. And I don't want people leaving the gym seeing that. And then beyond that, we want people saying, hey, they really execute. They really move the ball well. Um, they really know who they are uh, on the offensive end. Um, and I also want people to say we play with a great purpose to play. The ball's not dead. It's moving and we have a great purpose of play on the offensive and defensive end of the floor. Sound like to me, Coach, you will play the Golden State Warriors. That's what it's like to me, Coach. <laughs> that would be great. That, that's, sign me up. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what it's like to me. Because I hear Steve, Steve Chris all the time about playing with passion, playing with energy, moving the ball. The ball has energy, contested, multiple efforts. Like, it's not like the Warriors. <laughs> you know? So, I'm like, hey, that's an exciting real for that, Coach. Now, Non-conference schedule-wise, I know it was probably already done for you once you got to Dartmouth. There's probably a lot of it done for this year. So going forward, how do you look at yourself scheduling these non-conference games for your team? Do you want to go tough to get a high RPI, or you want to kind of get some home games with two and ones? How do you see yourself going about that non-conference schedule going forward? Yeah, that, that's a, another another really good question, and, and it's, it's something that is really important when you look at your season. I think a lot of people don't realize the time and the effort and energy that goes into scheduling and the thought process that goes into it. And I think first and foremost, you want to kind of look at those relationships that teams have been playing for a long time. You know, so for us, we might have been um, have a long-lasting relationship with the University of Vermont or a long-playing um, relationship with the University of New Hampshire, and you want to keep those relationships moving forward. And I think beyond that, you want to find teams that are going to help you get ready for your conference play, whether it's style play, does someone play a certain way, um, and does that help you for, hey, this, these guys play this way offensively or defensively, they're going to allow you to get ready for certain league games. 
And I think after that, it's travel. You know, where are guys in your roster? Do you want to get them back to where they play, where they're from, and maybe get them back in front of their families? And those are probably three of the priorities we look at. I learned about this when I was in the coach offices this summer about how you play Hawaii. And if you play Hawaii, the game does not count. You get an extra game by playing going to play at Hawaii. It's like, really? Wow. I guess, you know, you go out to Hawaii, you get a good, nice you know, vacation or so, and then <laughs> the game doesn't really count, but you can play an extra game. Did you know about that, Coach? Actually, you know what? I did not know about that, and I, I'm going to uh, I might mention that to our, our, one of our administrators when I, get in, when I get back to the office here after being on the road. That's, that's a good tip. Yeah, like I was shocked. I was sitting in the office, and I said, yeah, if you go play at Hawaii, the game is exempt, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that that's new." But I knew about it in football. I knew if you played them at home in football, you could play a thirteenth game. I knew that part. But I know in basketball, it was the same exact way. That hey, if you go out and play at Hawaii, you gain an extra game to play. So, just a little tip for you, just a little boss man show tip here. Yeah, I got insider insider information on that one. <laughs> that's a good no. That's a good tip, and you know we brought a. Uh... I haven't been a head coach in the past at, at Division II school. We brought a couple teams over to Europe to play on a couple of occasions, and those were obviously exempt games And um, in the summer. And that was just – trips like that are, are invaluable with the team when you can spend days together, you know, so whether it's the off-season or even in-season, someplace like a Y and travel to a place you're not – maybe haven't gone before. It's just it's huge for team culture and chemistry. Yes, indeed. And, Coach, I always like to ask coaches about this. Are there any rules I see that the committee put in for next season going forward, maybe advance the ball in less minutes of the game, you know, maybe go to a quarters or a shot clock being 24 seconds? That's something you always see the committee maybe look into going forward for the year after next. You know, that's a, that's a great question. I think, I think before that, I think we still have to get used to the rules that have been put in place recently. You know, I still think, you know, with the, the shortening of the shot clock and, and changing the timeline situation a little bit, you know, I think that teams still have to get used to that. How does that really change you as a coach? How does it change your style? Um, you know, I think shortening the shot clock again, that, that's a great question. I, I, is it going to get to that? I, I think it might. But right now, I think where it's been shortened recently, I think we have to kind of get used to that first. But And, and I think a lot of it just is based on, I think the NBA makes some decisions for, for college. I think when they change some rules, it ends up coming down eventually. And I think it's we're going to see what happens there and, and see what trickles down. And for our question for you, Coach, where is your day like since you've been a head coach? What, what's a typical day for you like in the morning times? Is it early morning or late night or you kind of come in mid-morning? What's a typical day of life since you've been named a head coach at Dartmouth? Well, I think when you first become – when you become when you transition to a head coach and there is no normal day, you know, I think you're you, – because there's so many things that you have to wrap your hand around, your head around, and so many things that you have to learn and – so many people on campus that you want to meet and so many people in the community that you want to reach out to. So I think those first, you know, eight weeks, those, those first, you know, uh, two months to a hundred days, it's, it, it's, it's, there's no typical schedule. Um, and I think to be quite honest in July, when, when July is part of that transition, there is really no schedule because of the amount of, of travel. So I'll give you an example. I got to the airport from Orlando on Thursday night to get to uh, Vegas for, for a tournament, and they said, you know, all the flights are canceled. And I said, okay, well, I need to get to Vegas tomorrow morning. And, you, you know, you, you really don't – you just – you're very tunnel vision. I have to go see these guys. I have to be there. I have to meet my staff. And they said, well, we can't get you to Vegas till 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. And so then you say, okay, well, what are my options? And they said, well, we have a flight out of Miami 
So without thinking, I said, okay, I'll rent a car. And, you know, without even thinking, you hop in the car, you drive four hours to Miami for a 6 a.m. flight the next day. And it's just one of those. And so it's very atypical that way. And then, you know, leaving Vegas to go to Kansas City, the flight ended up getting delayed. We landed in Kansas City at 4 a.m. And then there's a 9 o'clock game. So recruiting adds another dimension of just a non-typical day and non-typical schedule. Uh, hey, Coach, I, I can respect it. Some of these Atlanta Hawk back-to-back games, four and five nights, I can kind of relate to <laughs> without the cover of the Hawks game. So, Coach McLaughlin, I tell you what, it's been a great to have you on the show. I look forward to following your team this year, having you back on this this season. Talk to you some about the great things you're doing with the Big Green, Coach. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Welcome, Coach. Thank you. Have a great day now. Take care. All right, folks, so it's Coach McLaughlin here on the Boston Man Show. Mike Conley of the Grizzlies is coming up next after the break. Time, 
um, through, you know, guys just staying ready, staying uh, available, um, guys coming in and out of the roster, uh, we were able to make it, you know, into the playoffs and, and at least give it a run. And that's what, you know, all you can ask for. We never gave up regardless of our situation. And, um, and that, that, that was the exciting part. And then the only thing that I think exciting that we can t- take away from last year's season. Folks, we're joined by Mike Conley here on the Boston Man Show, Grizzly starting point guard. Now, Mike, with 20 different guys coming through the locker room, did you know everybody's name that came through there, or did you kind of just knew them by number? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, there's a few times I, I didn't know uh, what the guy's name was that day. Uh, I would refer to him as the new guy or whoever we just picked up, and then um, – you know, soon after that, you, you finally, you know, kind of let it all sink in and you meet who they are and, and, uh, and you form a relationship with them a little bit. So, you know, it was tough to have guys coming in and out and some guys were there for four or five days. It felt like some guys were there for two weeks. And so, I mean, it was, uh, it was a revolving door for sure. Now, when it comes to you guys when your schemes, so you probably had to kind of simplify all your schemes to make sure the guys who are new as getting it could pick them up really easy so you couldn't really do too much blitzing or be too complicated with your coverages because, I mean, they don't know all, know all of what you guys do. Yeah, we uh, we had to, you know, in a sense, dumb our offense down a little bit and uh, and even defensively as well. We, we only had, you know, two or three calls defensively that we were using and offensively. It was, I mean, we probably – ran 10 plays, uh, you know, as opposed to the 30 or 40 that we're used to, you know, having on cue from, from all the years of guys, know, um, you know, how to play together in the offense and, uh, you know, familiarity uh, between the, between the system. So um, it was different, you know, it was different for everybody. You just have to just, you know, almost take a step back or two and just play ball. Now, Mike, you got to be excited about this, Mike. You know, the organization brought in guys like Chandler Parsons, a great shooter, a 16 guy who can do a lot on the court, Troy Daniels to back you up, Wade Baldwin, a guy I know pretty good from from, from Vandy. You know, that guy can ball. And Deontay Davis as well on the roster, to name a few, man. What do you think these guys are going to bring to your roster next year? And, and it seems like you guys kind of got younger on the fly and got a, a lot of different athletic abilities to help you guys out in the Western Conference going forward. Well, yeah, I'm I'm very excited for the you know for what our organization was able to accomplish this off season. They they went out and did what they said they were going to do. Um, they signed you know big time free agent and uh, in Chandler. They obviously signed me back. They they went out into the draft and got Wade and and then Davis and um, and Troy Daniels. You know, it was a big signing. And he, as a shooter, he's one of the best in the league. And um, and, and we're we're all excited about everybody's um, you know potential to play together and, and where we can go uh, with the roster that we have and the current guys that are already you know on the roster and, and Mark Zach and Tony and um, and all those guys. So I mean it's going to be a good year for us and uh, I think uh, everybody's going to be you know pretty surprised at what we're able to accomplish. I agree, Mike. I think you guys can go a long way next year with the roster you got, with you back and Zach and Mark, all those guys, you, with Chandler Parsons, now the shooting you got. I think you guys are going to be a great team next year, and I look forward to it. <laughs> you know, I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. <laughs> now, Thank you. Now, Mike, looking from afar, uh, Coach Fizdale is a guy I've always liked from watching him on interviews with doing heat games and talking to him pregame. He's always been a great guy. How he works for guys pregame and gives guys confidence. Now, since you've known him for a few weeks or so, what's your overall impression of Coach Fizdale and what he's going to bring to you guys and the team and help you with your game going forward? 
Oh, I, I think he's uh I mean he's a hard worker, you know, from the from the get go you can see his passion for for the game, um, his passion to to help create you into a better player, a better person and those are things um, you know, his core values are things that I believe in and I'm very excited to work with a guy that um uh, really cares about you as a player, uh, as a person, cares about your family, um, and wants you to succeed. You know, he's gonna do everything he can um to do that and you know to have coaches like that in this league is rare so i'm excited to have the opportunity to to you know suit up for him and um and really get this thing going and see how see how much better we all can be folks join you know, mike Conley here on the boss man show now mike for those who don't know about this your locker is virtually next to Vince Carter's locker. And, you know, like I told you off there, yeah. me, me and you are the same age. We grew up on that half, man, half, half amazing VC. So, for you, how big of a thrill is it for you to every day have this guy, a living legend, right next to you every day, dressing with you in the locker room every day? And what has he taught you so far since he's been your teammate about how to be professional and some little tricks of the trade and been in the NBA so long? Man, it's it's been a blessing, to be honest. Um, you know, Vince is a guy that I know that, a lot of us who are around the same age all look up to and idolize as, as kids. And, uh, you know, to have him as a teammate and not only that, but the, as a good friend, um, you know, it's, it's, it's huge. And he's, he's been there to help me in, as far as the mental side of the game and, and things on the court that I can improve. And, um, you know, he just, just always keeping me prepared and, and teaching me more about the mental side of the game and, um, and, you know, always being professional and, and being patient more than anything. Um, so, you know, it's exciting uh, every day to, to walk in and know that you you know, sitting next to the Hall of Famer. So, uh, you know, it, I got a, got a pretty cool job. Yeah, and speaking of, like, Vince Carter, last year, Mike, he, he showed he, could still, he still could play. Like, when you guys had all those injuries, he was healthy for the most part, playing those last few games of the year, him and Matt Barnes with Lance Stevenson. I mean, those guys kept you guys in games, got you in the playoffs, and, and y'all, your team fought San Antonio real hard. Just that, you know, you guys didn't have enough, but he showed he could still play this game of basketball at a high level still. Yeah, he uh, he definitely did that, I think, that. Um, he had just battled an injury or two over the last uh, year and a half, and finally uh, was starting to come around the corner from that. And and uh, once he got some more minutes, you know, he was able to to get into a better rhythm and uh, showed that you know he has he has many years to play. He can play as long as he wants to. He's taking care of his body very well, and still one of the more athletic guys in the league, even at his age. So um, you know, it was exciting to you know see those guys who you know sacrifice so much. Uh, you know, Matt Barnes and and VC and, you know, all those guys stepping up for, for a team that was uh, was depleted with injuries. And, Mike, at your press conference, you decided that you would be donating a million dollars to the Grizzlies, a charitable foundation, man. In the wake of what's going on in our country, you feel like it's an even bigger responsibility for you guys like yourself to be part of the communities and, and show these people in the communities that, hey, we can do better and be better and help be inspirational these guys you know, coming up to say, hey, we need to do it this way. We shouldn't. We shouldn't have to fight the police. We shouldn't have to fight each other. We can come together and be off one and one for all. Yeah, you know, for all of us athletes, especially um, with all of us in the in the NBA at this point, we're we're under a microscope and um, and we're at a you know perfect stage to you know raise our voice a little bit and um, and and make a statement. You know, make a stand and, and help. Uh, guide and lead and, and be there for for our communities and uh, and that was you know the donation was something that had, you know been weighing on me for a while and it's going to continue 
you know, I'm gonna continue to donate and spend my time in communities regardless. But uh, as far as what's going on in the, you know, in, in our in our communities today is is something that we can't stand for. And um, you know, we we as athletes have to be role models. We have to try to, um, you know, be leaders in, in the best way that we can, um, and try to preach the right things, uh, make our communities better. Um, more knowledgeable and uh, and give everybody fair opportunities and uh, you know to succeed in life. No, Mike, I want to ask you a question that I want to ask a lot of you guys about Rob Fisher. Do you ever wonder, like Fish, where do you get these suits from? Do you ever think about it, like where is he getting this stuff from? <laughs> oh man, I, I'm thinking he's. I don't know where he gets it from. He must have a tailor that just cooks up something in the lab every every <laughs> a couple weeks or so because. Uh, he comes with some crazy colors. <laughs> and Pete, product, but, but but see, Pete's always sharp, though. Pete's kind of working <laughs> in, a, in a symmetry. Fish is like, what? <laughs> right, right. Pete, Pete keeps it classic, man. He keeps it cool, and you know, I think he has to make, he has to balance it out, especially with Rob's with Rob's uh, choice of, of uh, exotic suits. Exactly. Hey, follow up for you, Mike. It takes a lot of sense a little bit, Mike. Uh, for a lot of guys who don't hear get to hear you guys on the on regular basis talk about the process of getting ready for a game. So, if you could share, like, what's well, a typical game that they like for you to get ready for a game on, on a game day when you head to the FedEx Forum in Memphis to put on a show for the Grizzly Nation? Well, you know, for me, we we normally have a shoot around early in the morning, uh, nine o'clock in the morning, and I'll get up for that and uh, and get there about. 30 minutes early, get some treatment on my body and get some couple, you know, a couple extra shots up, um, you know, to go through our walkthrough, study film, do whatever you have to do to prepare for the game, go home, eat lunch, take a long nap, get ready for the game, drive back down um, uh, about two hours before uh, tip off and uh, make sure I get a good lift in, um, good court workout in where I get my shots up, uh, do some stretching and different routines that I have. Um, and, you know, finally, you know, 30 minutes before the, the tip off, we finally are in a, you know, uniform and ready to go. And, and, uh, and, and that's when you, you need to locked in and, and everything is, uh, you know, all the preparation that you've done for the last two, three days for the, for that team you're playing against, you get to go out there and use it. So, uh, that's, that's pretty much a, a daily basis. I hear that, Mike. And I'm going to tell you, Mike, I, I cover a lot of hog games and horns games, but I tell you what. Rick Trotter and that Grizzly staff, man, that in-game protection you guys have is, one, is top of the line, man. That <laughs> Grizz okay. always has something going on. Do you ever notice that when you're on the bench what Grizz has going on when doing timeouts? Yeah, man, I do. I, I keep an ear and an eye looking up, you know, trying to see what, what's going on. And, uh, you know, I always got something cool going on, some kind of uh, fun game or, you know, challenge going on. So, it's a, you know, they do a great job with, the, you know, the, the relationship with that and, and, and the fans. Hey, Mike, I tell you what, it's been a pleasure to get you on the show, man. Congrats on the new baby, brother. And I was look forward to seeing you next season again. And I look forward to seeing with the great things you guys do do next year. I look forward to talking to you again down the road, Mike. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And have a good day. All right, folks. So Mike Collin here on the Boss Man Show. Come on, this Dan Feldman of ProBasketballTalk.com after the break. <laughs>
back in the Jared the Boss Man show. Just joined by David McLaughlin of Dartmouth and Mike Conley of the Grizzlies. And now we're joined by friend of the show for Basketball Talks, Dan Feldman. Dan, how you doing, brother? Good to hear, hear your voice again, man. I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Burning up here in the ATL, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine as hot as it is here up in Detroit. Yeah, it's 97 with 80% of humidity today. So, yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's steamy, man. It, it's very steamy. <laughs> and we wonder why Atlanta doesn't get all the free agents. Exactly. This this oppressive, choking heat. And get this, Dan, I'm talking to you from the Falcons training camp. So I was outside literally 30 minutes ago. So I'm going to be here to talk to you right now in the studio. <laughs> well, I'm glad I gave you an excuse to get back inside. <laughs> Thank you, man. And thinking about the thing we've had with Mike Conley on the show, man, how do you feel about the Grizzlies offseason move this year uh, with him bringing back Mike Conley? Signing Chandler Parsons, making David Fisdale the new head coach, Troy Daniels, the draft with Wade Ball and Deontay Davis. Have the Grizzlies on the fly retool their roster to be sustainable going forward after Tony and Zach Randolph leave out the next year, most likely? A little bit. I think more than retool, the big thing for them was keeping Conley and just staying the course because they'd already traded away their, their next first-round draft pick. They were just in no position to retool on the fly if they lost Conley. The next best free agent point guard on the market was, what, Jeremy Lin or Rajon Rondo? Whoever it was, it's a big, big drop. And so just to keep Conley, I think, was huge. And then you add Chandler Parsons, well, that kicks it up a notch. And now you're starting to talk about a team that, that can contend to, to win a playoff series, maybe two in the Western Conference. And so that brings it on to another level. Uh, where I think it was, like you said, a real nice offseason for them. Yeah, and do you feel like that the Grizzlies can possibly chance Golden State with their roster, or they're more so a three or four seed that if they get the right break could get me Golden State in the finals if it's there, the three seed most likely? I think they need more than the right break. I think they need the several right breaks. The the Warriors are just so far ahead of everybody else with with Durant now. I mean, they're they're on another level, and it's a big step to the next level. Uh, the the Grizzlies, you know, I would not be shocked if they're the second best team in the West. I think there's a long, long way to go to number one. I sort of still think they're behind the Clippers and the Spurs, and and then they're in that next tier where maybe they're about the fourth or fifth best team. Uh, right in there with the Trailblazers. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to be where you could be number two. Uh, I think number one, aiming for that or thinking they can take down the Warriors, uh, barring something, you know, really crazy happening, I think that's a little bit much. Now, Dan, I, I heard Adam Silver discuss the CBA and how he was kind of doing to fix the CBA due to Kevin Durant going to the Golden State. But think about this, Dan. The Memphis Grizzlies, a small market team, very small market team, with – Three max contracts with Mike Conley, Chandler Parsons, and Mark Gasol on their books. About the CBA as it is now, they wouldn't have that opportunity to do that. And look at the Portland Trailblazers spending all this money and Charlotte keeping Nicholas Batum and Marvin Williams. So when I hear the commission talk about the CBA and how it's broken, needs to be fixed, I think it's working. These teams with small marketers are keeping their guys and signing them to big money deals. That's a fantastic, fantastic point. I'm, I'm with you. And I think to whatever degree it's quote-unquote not working, 
it's not working this year. It's a one-year crazy thing where the new national TV contracts kick in all at once. The salary cap shoots up. Only guys who are free agents and you know a couple guys who can get their contracts renegotiated like James Harden can take advantage. It's such a fluky thing. And next year I'll have some of the same characteristics, but not as much, at least if things stay this course. The following year, we're sort of going to be back to normal, just with bigger salaries. And so I, I think the idea that something needs to be fixed for the reasons you said one is overblown, but also because this is a one-year blip. The Warriors just sort of happen to be at the right place at the right time where you know, they have their superstar MVP player, Stephen Curry, on a cheap contract because he signed it when he was having ankle problems, and the salary cap's going up, and Kevin Durant happened to be a free agent this year. That's not all going to come together again. So I think if owners worry too much about, quote-unquote, fixing the CBA – they're going to create some new problems for themselves. Exactly. And I hear talk about a super team. Golden State was built organically through the draft, except for Kevin Durant. So I don't know how I say super team if it's been drafted well. I mean, if you ask me, Dan, OKC had a super team. If they kept Harden and Ibaka with Durant and Westbrook, they had a super team themselves. But they didn't. They traded them away before they left on their own. And I guess that's where the worry comes in, that teams like the Thunder would feel like they need to trade away somebody rather than keep them, that it's too much for those teams to keep all their stars together. But I just think the Thunder made a poor choice. Like, they should have kept Harden, and the system has changed a little bit in ways they didn't foresee. And in hindsight, I'm sure they wish they would have kept Harden, especially because maybe that would have led to Durant resigning. They would have been a contender for longer. I mean, that's really going down more of the rabbit hole. But I think the system is set up pretty well where small market teams can be competitive. And and the problem with this whole small market team discussion, by the way, is we change our definition of what's a small market, what's a big market, sort of based on where players pick. When the Warriors were bad, you know, when they were bad forever before the Stephen Curry era, nobody was talking about Golden State as some huge market. Yes, it's a big place, but when you talked about the top markets, they didn't get brought up. When the Heat were kind of up and down before they got LeBron, Wade, and Bosch, nobody was starting a list of big markets by going New York, L.A., and Miami. And then people changes the way people talk. The Spurs are obviously not a a big market. Nobody talks about them that way. Uh, But they don't really get thrown into the mix of small markets who can't compete. So really, it's what it should be. It's where teams that make good decisions, are going to have good teams, and teams that have make bad decisions are going to have bad teams. But if you play in a larger market, you do get a little more leeway than a team in a smaller market. I'm okay with that. Folks, you join Dan Feldman on the Boss Man Show for BasketballTalk.com. Give me a break from the heat. Thank God for that, Dan, <laughs> on the Boss Man Show. And speaking of the heat, here in Atlanta, the number nine market in America, media market, and we only get Dwight Howard. Okay, we can't get nobody to sign here in Atlanta. The number nine market, a lot of guys live here in the offseason. We can't get nobody to sign here but Dwight Howard, who's a hometown guy. So, like you said, that that whole big, small market thing to me is overblown, too, because I live in a big market, Atlanta. You live in a big market, Detroit, but we're not putting those like New York, L.A. is. So, like you said, it's kind of when you want to use that to your advantage to make your argument. Well, is, is Detroit a big market? Is Atlanta? I mean, those are the teams that are in the middle that if the, if the Hawks were good in signing free agents, we'd call them a big market. If they couldn't even get Dwight Howard and were striking out just because guys happen not like the, the fit, not like the team, we call them a small market. It's the same with Detroit. It, it fluctuates based on whatever narrative you want to sell. 
Exactly. And speaking of the Hawks and Dwight Howard, you know, the people here in Atlanta are kind of tempered in their happiness or sadness about this because Al Horford, to me, was the Hawks organization. He signified change in the team actually being good, making the playoffs, and being steady. And the Hawks can only offer him five years, 142. And I give him the full five-year max that Mike Conley got that he really wanted and went with Dwight Howard, who to me is on the decline. So bringing Dwight Howard, keeping Kent Bazemore, trading away Jeff Teague, and do you feel the Hawks have regressed or they kind of status quo stuck in that purgatory of the Eastern Conference where they can't really – they're not too bad to be bad and they're not really going to contend for anything at all either? Uh, I think both of those are true. I do think they've regressed from being one of the better teams in the East to a likely playoff team in the East, but far less of a threat. Uh, Al Horford is a much better player right now than Dwight Howard. And maybe the thinking is, is that because Howard's on a shorter deal that you have a little more flexibility. I don't buy that. I would have given Al Horford the full max. I'd want him back. I'd do whatever it takes, but you know, but there's at least some logic to that potentially. Now, if the thinking was, hey, Dwight Howard's from Atlanta, he's a big name, he's going to help us sell tickets, that's going to be a mistake. That never works. When you sign a player because he's going to sell tickets, it never works. Get the best team out there. Fans will come out to see a good team, and the Hawks had a better team. Uh, Trading Jeff Teague, again, I can see the logic somewhat. You've got Dennis Schroeder waiting in the wings. He's younger. He's going to be coming up on... Uh, unrestricted free agency fatigue, restricted for Schroeder. You're going to have to make a choice. I didn't love the return they got. It was okay getting a couple draft picks. You know, nothing, nothing great, but it's it's okay. That's tolerable. Uh, but to me, the big one is du- exchanging Horford for Dwight, and I just I think that's a big step back. And Dan, I can report to you from seeing it myself. Dwight Howard trying to shoot jumpers, which scares me. <laughs> So is he going to go to Atlanta and think, like, he's the guy now and, like, you know, hey, give me the ball. I'm going yes. to take you off the dribble. I'm going to shoot jumpers. Yes, he's working on shooting jumpers right now, face-up jumpers, okay? And that just scares <laughs> me to no end. And, Dan, Dan so I'm going to tell you this, too. The city of Atlanta is very, is very fair weather. Even the Hawks being good, the arena was not full as it should be. He's not going to sell any tickets. Josh Smith was a hometown boy and it flamed out. They turned on him, too. So it's like, yeah, but Josh, Josh Smith wasn't the big name Dwight Howard is. Yeah, I just don't see it working. I think it's going to be terrible. And I'm just looking forward to a short, shortened season with the Hawks. I feel like they'll be out first round and not second round, first round now, and get swept by Cleveland that way now. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> how I feel about the Hawks. It's going to end with a flame-out sweep no matter what happens. It's going to be a flame-out sweep no matter what. <laughs> you know? I, I'm not going to disagree. I mean, they're headed that way. I, You know, I'm not a big fan of their offseason. Now, do you feel like the Hawks miss Danny, Danny Fair in his wise decision-making. Having Coach Bud and Wes Wilcox making decisions, I think that they're not doing the best job they could. They've kind of overplayed their hands and made some bad choices. You feel like the Hawks, in theory, miss Danny Ferry, because I've been hearing a lot out there here on the radio here about how the fans saying that the Hawks miss Danny, Danny Ferry making decisions. Do you feel the same way about that as the fans in Atlanta do? That's an interesting question. Uh, Danny Ferry is a good basketball executive. I think there are things in this world that are more important than judging basketball talent and being able to negotiate contracts. And I think the things Danny Ferry said were inexcusable. And I don't know if they were fireable. 
and I don't know what level of contrition he showed and what genuine show of remorse and that he wanted to change and learn from this that he showed. Uh, I would have major, major, major reservations about somebody who, who could say that. Say what he said, even if he was reading off a sheet but not realize, hey, what I said, what I read was completely inappropriate. He just kept going. I'd have major reservations about hiring that person to run my basketball team, no matter how good a job they did, running the team as far as acquiring players. And he was very good, better than the current regime. Uh, but I think there are things that matter more than that. Exactly. And speaking of that same vein, do you feel like it's a good thing that these athletes are speaking out about their feelings about what's going on with race relations and police killings in our society right now? Do you think it's a good thing we have Carmelo talking, LeBron, CP3, other guys speaking up, and then Michael Jordan giving his money like he did this week, even though Malawi put that picture up for him to cry and Jordan, which <laughs> makes me laugh so hard. But do you like the guys being able to speak up now and, and speak their mind about what's going on in the world today? I, I do, uh, but I want to give the caveat that I, I don't feel like players should feel pressured to do it. If, if the guys who are comfortable, like Carmelo's taking a big lead, LeBron, Chris Paul, if they're comfortable doing it, great for them. Like, take advantage of your platform. It's, it's something you can do that other people can't because you have this stature. But I don't want players to feel like they're forced into it. I mean, their job is, is to play basketball and to somewhat be a, a face of the franchise, even lesser guys. You still have to put on that public relations face a little bit. Uh, so if they're comfortable doing it, it's great. I'm all for it. I support it. Uh, but if they're not, I don't, I don't feel like we need to make this a thing where it becomes an obligation for players because not everybody is of that mindset. I got you. And damn, before you go, man, what is the Orlando Magic doing? I mean, what are they doing in Orlando? <laughs> I can't figure out. Jeff Green, $15 million. Is that beyond both? $18 million a year. You got Vucevic and Ibaka and Aaron Gordon's a three. Are you trying to play the, like the Spurs with Purdue, Robinson, and Duncan? What are they doing there? Man, I thought you were going to send me off with like a nice, quick, easy question. I have no idea. It's uh, it's baffling to say the least. You know, I think Biombo and Jeff Green are sort of the the pivot points a little bit. And with Biombo, I can understand the idea that hey, we've got this money to spend. Maybe our our first couple choices didn't pick us the market's thinning. This isn't a bad price for Biombo. Let's just get him and figure out the rest later. I don't think that's an awful idea. It does create complications, though. What are you going to do with Vucevic? Is he going to start? Is he going to come off the bench? Is he going to be unhappy? Are you going to block Aaron Gordon's development because he's going to be playing more small forward and he's better at power forward? So that creates complications. Jeff Green, sort of a similar thing where, hey, you have all this money to spend. Give him a one-year contract for a ton of money, uh, but at least you'll have some upgraded talent for a year and you're not stuck in the long term. I don't know if Jeff Green was the best use of that money. I think if you're going to go that route, you probably could have gotten somebody better, maybe a shooting guard or even a point guard instead. But that's the route they went. Like I, I don't hate that strategically so much. Uh, and then, of course, there's the Ibaka trade, uh, where you give up a lot of value for somebody who's going to be an unrestricted free agent in one year. So either Ibaka does not work out for you, and that's bad, or he does, and you're going to have to pay him a ton of money, and it's going to be hard for him to live up to that. Uh, so you kind of – it's a very narrow road where that trade will work out. And, damn, I got one more for you, man. I was talking about the Miami Heat, Deion Waiters, really? 
I mean, he should sign a qualifying offer and look at the money haircut he took. Like, what an idiot. But, you know, like, what are you doing, Deion Waiters? <laughs> and then the Miami Heat with Tyler Johnson now letting Dwayne Wade go. Do you feel like Pat Riley oversell sold his hand with Dwayne Wade and he's going to look, look like, look like, wow, I screwed up? Or is he trying to save money for next year's caps but he's trying to get some of them guys to come to Miami and him sell them on, on, on those rings again? I don't know. It's tough for me to get a read on what exactly happened with Wade. I, you know, I think that he sort of decided that it was time to move on and he wasn't worth that money and taking up their cap the next year. The problem with that is to be able to sell. Yes, you're, you have no state income tax. Yes, Miami is a great place to live. Yes, Eric Spolster is a good coach. Yes, Pat Riley has a great reputation. That's all, that's all nice. But one, you have to win. And I don't think this team's going to be that position to win this year. So if you're coming off a, a lottery appearance, it's not going to be super attractive to the free agent. Two, you lose a little bit of your reputation of a place that fosters family and players first and taking care of your players because you did not take care of Dwayne Wade. He took pay cut after pay cut for the team, and there was never anything at the end of the tunnel for him. And then, you know, three – you still don't have that much cap space. Chris Bosch is making a ton of money. Hassan Whiteside's going to be making a ton of money. You have a one year where Tyler Johnson has a low salary to take advantage before his salary shoots way up to about $20 million. So you don't have a ton of flexibility anyway. What are you going to do with that limited amount of money on a team that's going to be coming off probably a so-so season without that reputation of family? I don't know if that's worth all the flexibility. Oh, I hear that. Well, Dan... I thank you for this this heat break I had here. <laughs> I look forward to talking to you again down the road, talking to the NBA, which my, my man. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. All right, folks. Uh, Dan Philbin, ProBasketballTalk.com. Next up is the Boss Report after the break. for the boss report. Dog, you ready for this week's boss report, man? I don't think I'm ever ready for the boss report, man, but let's do it. No doubt. Folks, you've been waiting on it. It's time for it. It's here. It's the boss report. First story, dog, is this. Young New Mexico T.J. Fowley's patron arrested after beating dude's ass because, quote, He's a took he wanted his girl, she had a big old booty, and that booty quote had to be his. That's the quickest way to get your ass whipped, and he should have got his ass whipped for being stupid. How you gonna run up with another man? Girl. 
said, that big man, I'm glad he got his ass kicked. I, I swear for Lord, I swear for Lord, I swear for Lord. Stupid, just stupid. Exactly. Exactly. Also, we have Pokemon Pimpin. New York man arrested after cheating on his girlfriend and hitting his ex with an axe while gaming. Wait a minute. He hit her with an axe? Yes, an axe. As in like an axe used to chop wood? Yes. That is very violent. That is a gross overreaction. That's two of them already. <laughs> no, two. Dog. Yeah, Jesus Christ, that is violent. That is violent. An axe. Yeah. He's chopping wood like George Washington back in the day. Huh. Who has an axe on hand? That's what I want. Who the hell? Who the hell, dog? Who has an axe just laying around? <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Uh, here we go. Uh, remember the man we had at Chillin' Santa in Georgia? Remember him? Who's the one? <laughs> oh, yeah, the man that was in Atlanta. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy in Rob with a sledgehammer. <laughs> I remember it now. I remember it now. Well, he's back. But get this. His stand this time was destroyed by pitchfork and electric saw because quote the smell of destroying the neighborhood. Okay. The chitlin stand, period. I don't agree with people destroying your property and valuable businesses, but I cannot be mad because who in the hell wants to live near a chitlin stand? I'm assuming the smell was horrendous. Just, just wow. So, uh, I'm conflicted on that one, though. I can't be mad, bro. I cannot be mad at that one. And think how hot he is in Georgia. Kabaddi was think of chillies. Oh, I mean, Swanson. Absolutely Swanson. Nah. And once again, why are people going to a stand for chillies? I don't get that still. I don't know. So... Here we go. California man is arrested after kicking man in the sack after farting in line before a comedy show. <laughs> I'm not trying to laugh at you. That's <laughs> so over the top of that next thing. <laughs> Yo, I love you when you're shot, bro. Like, I mean, for real. <laughs> Farting got his sack kicked. Like, really? No, that's how people get shot, bro. Like, for real. Uh, you didn't offended by his fault. <laughs> You're trying to take his sack out. Wow. Who we? Well, an Alaskan man is arrested after attacking Uncle with ginger ale but not letting him hold a hundred. First of all, hold a hundred. 
with ginger ale, bro. <laughs> with ginger ale. <laughs> what the hell? Well, I guess when you're in Alaska, you gotta use whatever tools necessary, right? Exactly. Just goodness gracious, man. I, oh, wow. Just go, okay. <laughs> I didn't know ginger ale was with him until now. <laughs> no, we got like. We got like five GORs already, bro. Man, this is wild. Like, dang. Hoo-wee. Uh, A woman attempted to hide a $36,000 watch in her box after giving a $300 naked massage. Whoa, who giving her naked massage? <laughs> this woman in Virginia. Mm. Where in Virginia? I'm sorry. All right, let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, was she naked or was you got to be naked? Like, how's this naked massage thing working out? Uh, but no, uh, for real. Uh, yeah, that's kind of unhygienic. Though. Like, I, I mean, like, I don't know, bro. I don't know. Like, it's so many variables of naked massage. I don't really know how to feel about that. That's I'm still stuck on that. Like, first of all, who was giving out naked massage? Like, was it a couple or was it some lady? Like, yo. Just some naked lady. Naked massage is $100 an hour. Just okay. some lady. Was she naked or did you have to be naked? She, you and her had to be naked. Okay, all right. That sounds like tricking at home. That's that's what I was getting at. I was about to say, no, man, they were trying to know. It's tricking at home going on there, Exactly. And a Nashville man is arrested after covering in bed with a mannequin he stole from the downtown Hustler Hollywood store. Um, what? <laughs> First of all, to go through the trouble of the hospital stealing the mannequin, bro, that's, uh, oh, man, wow. Wow. Um, how? Like, I, every, like how? You know what I mean? Like, I'm very curious as to how this man managed to get away with that. Thank you, Vatican, but oh man. Uh, okay. Wow, bro. I, you know what? Kudos to him. If you went through all that trouble and effort to get a hold of a naked mannequin dog, go ahead, you deserve it. For whatever purposes your heart desires, whatever intent you use or you intend to use a mannequin for, go for it. Because that's, that's crazy. Exactly. And L.A. Clippers fan arrested Atlanta Smackdown on L.A. Lakers fan and in and out burger due to fans' quote, ugliness and his team been a sorry-ass train wreck. <laughs> Yo, I gotta get my That's so strange. Dog. That's so extreme. <laughs> <laughs> you can't in sorry ass I don't know who wears the next you call the ass whooping or the fact that that's what he said after he whooped his ass. He ain't gonna keep a sorry ass press out. Like, yo, that's so embarrassing, bro. <laughs> that's a year in review story right there. Year in review right there. That's that's classic. That's definitely a year in review, man. That is definitely a year in review, bro. You said you caught an ass with an ass and your team with a sorry ass franchise. <laughs> that's hurtful. That is so wonderful, bro. Like, you caught an ass with it and your pride and integrity is hurting your entire team that you believe in. That's so real. Uh, New York man arrested dog. I still didn't get this. 
$700 from preschool and lunch money and supplies and also slinging rocks in front of daycare trying to teach the kids, quote, a new way to make money. Okay, first of all, you should ride in jail for spending money for the babies. That's not okay. That's that's not okay at all. That's I mean, you spend money for the babies, bro. Like you talking preschool, them kids are four or five years old. He needs ass whooping. He needs to go to jail for real. Second of all, what type of example is he trying to set these kids? Swing a rock star, like yo, that dude deserved to be locked up. He deserved to be dropped off in the middle of the ghetto. And get his ass with behind the cat in the hood with kids, you know what I mean? Because that's, that's disrespectful on a whole new level, bro. We don't need that type of energy in 2016, so uh, that's that's absolutely ridiculous, man. I have no words for that. I'm, that's a despicable nothing, guy. We'll try this. North Carolina couple is arrested after attacking each other with pizza rolls due to arguing over, quote, household chores and animal feedings. Um, you said he beat them with pizza rolls? Yes. How? Were they frozen? No, they were warm and hot. Push out the microwave. <laughs> that's a hell of a minute one. Dog, first of all, that's dangerous. Pizza rolls used to be hot as hell. Like, dog, they are so hot, bro. Like, for some reason, they are weapons. They burn and they scold you like it's in the fire. You piss the hell itself. So, that's a pretty dangerous weapon to have, dude. But you don't beat nobody on pizza rolls, man. That cost third degree burns. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. Second of all, why two grown, grown ass men arguing over uh, who's going to be tourists? Anyway, it's kind of weird. It's like, you know, nothing else to argue about. Like, that's kind of petty, bro. That's kind of petty. Well, here we go. Southern pastor arrested. After convincing congregation of women to join him on a sandy oh, beach God. naked to receive the quote special oh. blessing via his kiss of their butt cheeks. Again, again with this fool dog. <laughs> how how do people keep falling for this, bro? Look, this, this is my whole thing about organized religion, bro. Like literally. People fall for anything. And I am a spiritual brother. I believe in the most high. You know what I mean? Grew up very religious. But it came to a certain point where I just had to realize, like, sometimes these people really, like, these fake spiritual leaders, bro, turn people into mindless cult-like followers. What, in what society would an individual say, you know what, Pastor Right, I'm going to go lay out on this booty-ass naked and just spread him and let him kiss me so I can see stuff. What sense does that make me say it out loud? It sounds like the stupidest thing in the world. And yet people actually let this man do that? Yeah. That's the second stupidest thing I've ever heard, bro. Wow. None but us. Gonna believe it. And judge a man arrested after oh, breaking Lord. into the pantry of the Marriott Hotel to get some bagels and orange juice for breakfast. Get some what, what he broke in the store trying to breakfast. Yo, that's so savage, dog. That's so savage. <laughs> 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 he broke it. <laughs> 
Yo, that's terrible, dog. I almost know what a laugh is. That's nuts, man. I <laughs> broke that into some cat little play. Hey, yo. Damn, alright. That's okay. That's nuts. That's nuts. That is hilarious. Well, Virginia man arrested and thrown out of church after being called peen in Lipton Brisk bottle in choir stand during a men's day service. Man, here's the thing, dog. That's stupid. If you got to get your ass up and go pee. You a grown-ass man scared to get up in church and hobby. You should have pissed on yourself for being stupid. You don't get your ass up. The hell is wrong with you? Boy, I tell you. People are dumb. People are dumb, bro. I'd have, I'd have had to... Look, everybody in that whole world would have had to be uh, inconvenienced. I'm like, excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me, Sister Johnson. Uh, brother, brother, brother Raheem. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me, excuse me. I must go relieve myself because y'all are in the way. <laughs> yeah. Ooh-wee. And New York man arrested after beating the brakes off his barber with a bat for, quote, destroying his last remaining hairline. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to laugh, dog, but I, I, can't, I can't be too bad about that, dog. Okay, like if you're a barber, you ruin somebody's hairline. You you liable to catch your ass with the I can't even be mad about that, dog. I can't. I mean, a hammer, yeah, that's a little excessive, but I'm just saying how to leave your hands when he was up. But you mess up my hairline, dog. We got to fight. We we have to. Exactly. And the kind of couple is arrested after being caught engaging in rough, passionate relations on the roof of Target. First of all, how do you get to the roof of Target? That's 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 what I'm concerned about. Way. How? I'm not mad at people getting in however they gotta get in. You know what I mean? When you, when you a couple, you gotta you gotta come up with you know creative and spicy ways to keep everything hot and fresh. But the roof of Target, I'm just concerned about how one had access to the roof of Target and how one was able to make sure said access. Just, you know, that's creative. But how, though? Sway, how? Exactly. That is the good question. How did you get on the roof target to get this going? Wow, wow, wow. And the last story of the day, bro, was this. Can't believe this bleep. Florida man gets his name legally changed to Son of a Bee. Because, quote, he claims that he is a son of a bee. Huh. Accurate. That is, <laughs> I guess it's accurate, right? Like, I mean, I want to be mad. But uh, I guess the brother felt like that was an accurate description. Like, jeez. <laughs> That's kind of harsh, though. Like, is that a G.O.R. too? Yeah, that's a gross over reaction, dog. That's uh, ooh, that is <laughs> wow. And I saw his ID. He said son, first name, middle name, other, last name, the B word. 
Seriously. 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 Se
Exactly. But dog, let's hear what we got going on with you with Family Grind ENT. What you and Fresh got going on? What your man Boogie got going on? Talk to us, brother. Oh man, I'm so proud of my homie Ace Boogie, dog. The, the young dog, my little cousin Ace Boogie, has released his debut EP called Nice to Meet You. It is an amazing five-track collection of songs, bro. Uh, it's available right now for free. For free. That's free with a capital F R E E. And you can get it on familygrind.com. You can definitely hit up illstreetonline.com. That's I-L-L-S-T-R-E-E-T. O-N-L-I-N-E dot com. You can download it for free. Subscribe to the letter. I promise you, you want to subscribe to that chain because we got a lot of stuff popping. Me and Fresh got a brand new video out for our song, No Clubs, Just Bars. That's available on YouTube.com slash FGETV. You can also check it out at FamilyGrind.com. And that single is available right now on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, everywhere. You could also hit up illstreetonline.com too and grab that single. And my homeboy Shotty DTV, uh, he shot the video uh, for The Juice. That's a very special video, man. It's off our project, Cooking from the Underground. Uh, you know, it, it really does a, 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 an amazing representation of where me and Fresh are from, you know what I mean? Detroit City and Fresh from the Down River area. So we definitely put on for both those areas, man. The video is doing numbers. My homeboy Shotty D, he had the drone out, dog. He had, he brought all the props out, man, for it. This is an amazing video. People check that out on YouTube.com slash Shotty DTV. That's YouTube.com slash S. H A B I E B E E T V dot com. Well, YouTube.com slash Shotty B T V. Uh, it's called The Juice. It's off our album, Cooking from the Underground, which is available now. iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, com, and everything, man. And of course, me and Fresh got some new stuff cooking up in the works, people. And I'm telling you, we got some new joints about the drip. Look, all I can tell y'all is y'all need to subscribe. Family Grind. Twitter, Family Ground on Instagram, and we're on Snapchat now. Family Ground is on Snapchat. Facebook, Family Ground. Me and Fresh got some heat we about to drop. Ace Boogie got some heat he already dropped, and it's doing real well. So be busy over here, man. We just working. No doubt, folks. This is we also put here on the Boss Man Radio Network, BossManRadioShow.com. <laughs>